0: Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon from 1 John chapter 5 titled, Do You Want to Be Alive? Every Christian has experienced the temptation to feed the old part of our hearts. But we know that when we feed that old, dead heart, it only leads to death. Feeding resentment, bitterness, and anger will destroy our peace and relationships. Continually feeding self-doubt and cynicism will rob us of our ability to pray and worship. However, when we choose to surrender every part of our lives to Jesus, we can experience the freedom of His love. Jesus offers to carry our burdens and helps us to overcome the temptations that lead to death. By living in the joy and fullness of His love, we can extend that same love to those around us, and in doing so, experience the true purpose and fulfillment that life has to offer. Uh, Well, if you are new or visiting
1: with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. It is just a delight to have you here. Uh, You know, last summer, I got to do a baptism in uh, Fresno where I baptized two little girls, uh, twins, uh, Samantha and Danielle, and they're watching this morning. So can we all say, hi, Sam and Nell? Can we say that? Hi, Sam and Nell. See, now you're famous on YouTube, guys, so there it is. Uh, So not only do we help nine-year-olds feel famous on YouTube, uh, but we believe three important things at our church. This is the story that we see in Scripture over and over and over again. Every book, every story, this is what we see, that there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. No matter what you've gone through and no matter what you're going through, just like we sang, in the valleys that's the summit because Jesus is with us and the highlands that's the summit because Jesus is with us that he pulls us through he's the solid rock upon which we stand to sing our song of praise and of ascent and honor to God because there is hope no matter what you are going through God resurrects dead people and brings them back to life amen, amen. and he doesn't do it just once when you gave your life to Jesus up at camp in 1994 or in 1963, he does it over and over and over and over and over again. Second, uh, we believe that we are called to trust in our risen Savior. Savior, Not perform, not pretend, not, um, not say, oh, well, if I use religious language or, uh, you know, I show up to church and, and pretend like everything's fine... No, that's not it. Trusting is the greatest roller coaster ride you're ever going to go on. It is, it is submitting your heart and your life and the weight of your decisions before Jesus and watching Him show up, watching Him come through, and it's learning to do that in every single area of your life, and we do that together. We learn to do that together. That's what we do as a church. And then finally, we call to bring restoration. So Rachel's going to bring restoration to someone this week. So God bless you as you bring restoration and change for a dollar to someone who needs it this week. Amen? Amen. And we, let, we do that in a different lots of ways. I, you guys, the team of people that are going to be going down to Guadalupe this Saturday, you're going to be helping kids feel loved and mothers feel loved that often feel totally forgotten. And so it's just incredible, uh, the work that we're doing here as a church. So each one of those of these truths has a choice that's associated with it. And let's make this choice today. Are you ready? Okay. Read this with me. Choose with me. Declare with me. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in His resurrection work. Amen. So we're in 1 John, last two weeks in 1 John. Can you believe I stretched it out for this long? If you read 1 John, it'll literally take you eight minutes to read the whole thing. Um, and we are on the last chapter right now of 1 John. Uh, next week, we're gonna finish out this book, and then we're gonna go on to Second and 3 John, which I promise won't take as long because the, both of them are a page and a half. Um, but John's going to use an analogy to our ears that doesn't make any sense today. In chapter five, he uses a strange analogy of water and blood and spirit that don't make no sense whatsoever to his hearers. It made sense, and I'm going to help you understand what it means. So hopefully, you'll walk away today. But you know, my dad grew up in 19 or I grew up in the 1970s, and I heard my dad speak jive, and he would say, "You picking up what I'm putting down?" Right? That's jive talk from the 1970s. Now, if John said in his letter, you're picking up what I'm putting down, the people who understood jive in, when he wrote that letter would go, oh, yeah, I get it. I understand what you are saying. Right? But 2,000 years later, what would we do? We'd have ministers of picking up. Right? We would have campaigns to pick up. We would have sermons on what not to put down and what to put down. Right? Because analogies get weird if you're not in the context. So I want to help you understand the context today. Does that make sense? The heart of where we're going today is this question. Do you want to be alive? And John's going to tell us that Jesus brings life. And being fully alive isn't just head knowledge or saying a magic phrase, right? Just because you stand in the garage doesn't mean you're a car. Just because you stand in the church doesn't mean that you're alive in Christ or living in Christ, okay? John's going to show us what it looks like to be fully alive. It looks like your mind and your spirit and your body, your decisions, all working with Jesus, going his way with him in the lead. And so like always, we're going to pray prayers today. We're going to talk about what gets in the way of that. And my hope and my prayer for you, my request is to speak to your heart of hearts so that more and more of your life is in alignment, is in congruence, is connected all throughout the layers, because it just brings joy, and it brings love, and it brings life, and that life spills out from you and blesses everyone around you, and I know that's what we want. So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Can I have permission to talk with you about what's most significant in your life today? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Again we bind up and silence anything opposed to Jesus that would be distracting us or making us fall asleep. Now in Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your protection over this time. We speak to our own spirits and we say, Awaken, O my soul, and all that is within me that you have, Jesus, for me to hear and listen to today. I pray for traction in our life today. I pray for change in our spirit today. God, change our loves, our desires. Realign us where we've been out of sync with you. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said? Okay. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, are you ready? Let's read together. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So this is where we get the idea of being born again, right? So this is a ground-shaking truth. The moment that you trust, the moment that you believe, the moment that you have faith, those are all synonyms. Trust, believe, faith in Jesus, that he is the only one that can save you. Not your hard work, not your effort, not your car, not your income level, not your perfection, not your performance, none of that. Jesus is your only savior. It's not Jesus plus 5% of your... It's just Jesus. Make sense? The moment that you say that you believe that, God, and trust that with your heart and confess it with your lips... God the Holy Spirit literally creates in you brand new life. You are born again. What does that mean? It means that you have brand new desires, brand new priorities, brand new gifts, brand new purposes. Like a newborn, your job is to feed and nurture this brand new life growing within you. Does that make sense? Every Christian has spent feeding time the old parts of our heart, not the new part that God has created, but the old part, the part that wants to live on our own apart from God. And we know that every time we feed that, it leads to misery, sorrow, heartbrokenness, and that something good dies. If you keep feeding resentment, bitterness and anger will destroy not only your peace, but your relationships. And all of us have done that. If you keep feeding your self-doubt or your cynicism, they will rob you of your prayer and your worship. Does that make sense? If you keep feeding, feeling sorry for yourself or martyr, or look at all the terrible things that have happened to me, it will destroy your purpose. You will feel stuck and you will stay stuck. Does that make sense? Yes. And every Christian has spent time feeding your born-again life, the brand-new part of your heart that wants to depend on and follow and find life with Jesus. And this life with Jesus leads to life. I mean, y'all are here. You're feeding that brand-new, born-again part of your heart right now. If you keep feeding your hope, right, no matter what happens in your life, you will have hope. If you keep feeding your faith, you're going to pray big prayers, and Jesus will literally get bigger in your life because you will understand that he's bigger, bigger. <laughs> right? It's not complicated, right? When you, have, when you have small faith, Jesus is very small, right? He can handle your laundry and maybe a coffee with someone. When Jesus is big, he handles big things. That's your faith. If you keep... or uh, well, what else did I write? <laughs> oh, that's the fun thing about feeding to your faith. You get a front row seat to, to watch Jesus do incredible things. If you feed your joy, get more, get more. you get more joy, and joy will permeate your life. And instead of you being the person that goes, oh, man. Lakers won. (laughs) You'll go, oh, man, I can't wait for them to lose on the next round. It'll just be, (laughs) it'll be joy. It'll be joy everywhere, you know, right? You'll see a little bit of hope, and then it'll come crashing down. It's all good. It's fine. I'm not even a fan of basketball. I'm just giving Joe a hard time. (laughs) If you feed your love, love will be the inheritance that you give your family. Your family will feel like a family. Thus, everyone who God the Father has granted this brand new life, not only do we fall deeper in love with God, because as you feed these things, right, as you make choices, I'm going to be hopeful today. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to choose joy today. I'm going to remember to trust, right? And I'm going to show you how to do this in a moment. But as we do that, you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love. Just like we saying, I, I don't even know what I was doing before. Like I'm so in love with God right now because he just absolutely overwhelms me with his goodness. And then what happens is that you start loving people that he loves. John explains that loving each other isn't hard, but you have to choose it. And again, that's that 10,000 pound word, I choose. It has to be, you don't, like, no one falls into loving someone like you fall into a hole, right? It's not accidental. You have to choose it. Let's read verse two together. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and His commandments are not burdensome." And Jesus' commandments are really simple. Love one another. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. Do not judge. Do not hate. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Read the Gospels. His commandments are really quite simple, right? Love God. Love one another. And they're not burdensome. It's not a burden to love. It's not a burden to care. It's not a burden to risk giving generously to someone. It's not a burden to forgive. It's not a burden to trust or to wait or to worship or to pray. It's not a burden to let Jesus go and follow his lead. Why? Because burdens only lay across your shoulders when you're trying to do it all by yourself. You feel that weight? That's you Trying to carry something that you're not designed to carry by yourself. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon your shoulders because it is easy and light, and I will give you rest for your souls. Do you want your burdens lifted? You trying to love someone by yourself, you're going to burn out. Right? You know when you'll burn out? When they don't cooperate <laughs> with your agenda. Yeah. You'll be like, I love you, obey! And then the teenager goes, no.
0: <laughs>
1: or the 25-year-old goes, no. And you're like, Ugh. or the 40-year-old kid that you have, and their grand- they go, no. And you're like, "Ah!" Right? Or the two-year-old that you're running around and can barely keep track of. You know, they just say, no, 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 all the time. <laughs> right? Or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your partner or your roommate or your friend, whoever it is that you're trying to love, the moment they don't cooperate with you, you'll, you it'll feel like a burden. You'll give up. Here's how we get our burdens lifted. It kind of goes like this. Next slide. Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my... Put in any, any relationship that you have. Not just your children. It could be your child. It could be your grandchild. It could be your friend. It could be someone that you're pouring your life into, that you're helping. It could be somebody that, that, you're, that you care about deeply. It could be your mother your father. It doesn't matter. Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of this person, carrying the weight of all their hurts and success and failures and humanity. I give you them back, and I take back my faith and hope. Does that make sense? When I take back my faith, what I'm doing is I'm saying, Jesus, you're big enough for them. when I take back my hope, I'm saying, God, you've got them more than I've got them. It doesn't mean that you disengage from their life. It just means that you don't have to bear the weight of everything that they're doing. Do you want to give it up? Should we read this? If the word child doesn't apply to you, insert the right word. You ready? Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my children, carrying the weight of all their hurts and successes and failures in humanity, and I give you back, my child, and I take back my faith and hope. Well, how about this one? Um, Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my frailty, carrying the weight of all the parts of me that are falling apart. You know, at 30, I could do anything, right? At 40, the ground all of a sudden became very far away and I didn't want to bend down, right? I'm now 46, I think, right? And like, I'll just leave it, you know? I mean, that's just sort of like... <laughs> do, you want to let, do, you want, do you want to let Jesus bear the weight of your frailty with you or do you want to carry it by yourself? And maybe you need to pray this for the person that you're caring for right now that you're freaking out about. You want to pray this with me? Three people said yes, that's fine. (laughs) Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my frailty, carrying the weight of all the parts of me that are falling apart, and I give you my health, my very life, and I take back my faith and hope. How about this one? Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my financial present and future. Doesn't apply to any of us, I know, I'm just preaching to the stones, carrying the weight of how it will all all work out, both now and in the future. Jesus, I give you my finances, you are my provider, and I take back my trust and hope and generosity." You want to pray that with me? You sure? Yes. Okay, here we go. Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of my financial present and future, carrying the weight of how it will all work out, both now and in the future. Jesus, I give you my finances. You are my provider, and I take back my trust and hope and generosity. How about this one? This is a tough one one. Jesus, I'm bearing the burden of all their wounding. Some people have wounded you, and, and you're carrying all of that wounding. You're trying to fix them, and yourself, and the ones who are being hurt. And you, deceive, you see them hurt, you see them in pain, you see your hurt, you see your pain, and you're just trying to hold it all and fix it all all by yourself. Do you want to pray this one on? Yes. Yes. Jesus, I'm bearing the weight of all their wounding, carrying the weight of trying to fix them and me and the ones who are being hurt. Jesus, I can't hold this. I give them to you with all their hurts, and I take back my healing and trust and faith. Put your hand on the back of your neck if you want your burden gone, and just imagine you're taking off this weighted bar across your shoulder. Ready? Are you ready? Burden, leave now in the name of Jesus. Repeat that with me. Burden, leave now in the name of Jesus, and go to Jesus to be judged. You don't want to... Don't mess up this neighborhood. Dan and Sarah live there, right? (laughs) Go to Jesus to be judged, amen? All of a sudden, like, yeah, just send it to a royal grande. We did right? Grover is fine. What is John saying? Right? We what John is saying by this we know that we love the children of God when we obey his commands, and that's what you just did. You you let God love you in that moment, and now what you get to do is you get to love God and you get to love other people. You get to feed the life that's in you. Now John makes a shift because loving God and loving others isn't normal. Do you understand that? We all get this, right? What's normal is to love yourself and to be kind to others as long as they don't interfere with you loving yourself. Does that make sense? It's like we have this agreement with people. It's like, Listen, I'm, I don't mind you being selfish in, in, as long as you don't mind me being selfish, right? I don't mind you doing what you want to do as long as I get to do what I want to do. But the moment that you infringe upon my selfishness and self-centeredness, we're going to have words. That's normal. What's normal is to operate out of greed, not generosity. What's normal is to operate out of fear, not love. But John says... Not only have Jesus overcome that for us, but we are overcoming that normal with him right now. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Your faith, your trust, your belief, this is not like a Disney that says, I want you to have faith in having faith, just believe, right? That's not what John is saying. The point isn't that, that you would trust, the point is who you trust. Does that make sense? They go hand in hand, right? We're not just people of faith like, oh, I just have faith in anything. No, we have faith in Jesus. And this is the victory that has overcome our world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen? Amen. Jesus overcomes it all. Jesus is greater. Literally, the Savior of the world living in you by the Holy Spirit is greater than the evil one living in the world. Amen? The situations that you're facing right now, God is greater. The accusations leveled against you, God is greater. The hopelessness that you're carrying with you, God is greater. The parts of your life that feel like they're falling apart, God is greater. The situation that you're in right now where you don't know your way out, maybe you just feel like you're lost in a paper bag, God is greater. The suffering that you might deal with with the rest of your life it might stay with you to the point that you die and God is greater even in that. Again, preaching sermons is, is like having your life drug through the passage that week. And I gotta tell you that I know what it feels like when you're in the middle of that valley of shadow of death and you don't think that God is greater. And you're struggling to believe that. So in, in February, uh, remember in February when it rained? Well, January and February and March and storms came and the wind blew and it was like, it was crazy, right? And so 45 mile an hour, I live up on the Mesa and we had 45, 50 mile an hour winds gusts of up to 55 or I think it was. And I had 700 feet of fence blow down to some degree of destruction in my backyard. I had my gate... Uh, open up, and literally the wind ripped in half the 4x4 the four four that it was attached to, like literally just like pulled the board apart. It was nuts. It was crazy. And so I told my two neighbors, it's time to rebuild our terrible fences. They were built 20 years ago. Half of the posts, no, there's concrete on every five posts on one side and no cr- concrete on, on the other side in any of the posts. And Scott Bogle, who goes to our church, Anita, his wife runs in the nursery. She's amazing. He is building me a gorgeous new fence. It's fantastic. So I talked to one neighbor on my south side, Dave, uh, and I said, we need to rebuild the fence. And he goes, absolutely. So we both submitted our insurance claims, and we're working it out to rebuild that section of the fence. Back fence, I got to pay for myself. (laughs) My other other neighbor, um, let's just call him um, Ebenezer. Um, uh, Saw the fence that Scott had built uh, with my neighbor, Dave, and said, that's a gorgeous fence. And I said, I know. Our fence, see how it's like falling down and held up with sticks and floss and bubblegum? Like we've got got to rebuild it. And and Ebenezer said, well, uh, I don't don't want to submit a claim to my insurance. I don't want my premiums to go up. But go ahead and rebuild the fence. And I said, okay, so do you want to just like help me pay for it? And he goes, no. But I would like you to build it on my timeline and not to step one foot into my property. I would also like to micromanage your construction crew. (laughs) I I politely declined. Uh, That was a couple weeks ago. Uh, that he said that. And I said, no, hey, look, uh, Ebenezer, and he's a Christian, he goes to church. Um, I, don't, I think he missed the day of love thy neighbor as thyself, but that's okay. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I said, well, uh, th- this week my neighbor Ebenezer said to me uh, this, um, and I quote, Andy, I don't want to put any roadblocks in your way. I've been advised by council to submit a letter of complaint with the county about the fence. This will absolve me of all liability in case one of your construction crew gets injured and tries to sue me. And immediately Jesus told me, uh, oh, your neighbor Ebenezer is afraid. That's not his real name, by the way. I'm just giving him a fake name to protect his identity. Um, I've emailed you all of his name and his address for you to send (laughs) cards to him in a moment. See, what's normal is to operate out of fear. What's normal is to operate out of greed. What's normal is to operate out of, uh, out of selfishness. Um, so I said to him, well, why don't I just release you from all liability? I'll just, my insurance will cover it. Scott's insurance, our construction guy will can cover it. Like, I got it. And he goes, really? And I said, Yeah. Not only will I pay for the fence But I'll make sure That you're protected That was very kind Very kind Why? Because in that moment I got to trust Jesus Uh, Listen I'm going to be in heaven With Ebenezer It's true Like I don't want The fence to be in between us In heaven Does that make sense? I mean, I want to fence in between us now because he's a jerk, but uh, maybe, maybe I need to do forgiveness work. Anyways, I said to Ebenezer, could you not send the complaint to the county because that is literally putting a roadblock in front of me? You just said you don't want to put a roadblock in front of me, but now what you're going to do is you're going to force me to hire a lawyer and to go through all these things and it's going to cost me time and money after which... You've just, you know, you've been so gracious to allow me to pay for all the fence, but this is literally going to put a roadblock in front of me. Uh, and then he paused and said, um, well, I, I just mailed the letter, uh, but let me call you back. And then an hour later, he called back and said this, I went back to the post office. They found the letter. I am not sending it. Hallelujah. Why would, my, why would Ebenezer go back to the post office on my behalf? Why would he move from guilt? Uh, maybe. Uh, why would he move from fear to faith? Why? It's because in that moment I chose to love him. Now I don't talk about my victories very much, but I was happy with this one this week. I chose to be kind. I chose to be nice. I chose to trust. I moved closer to him, and he chose to make my life not a living hell with a county. Look, you have overcome this world because Jesus, the overcomer, is in you and with you. You have situations right now where responding and anger and frustration and greed and selfishness is only going to make things worse. You have situations right now that are not fair at all. And you still have the overcomer in you, who's calling you to be kind. I fed my love, and my love melted his fear. I fed my kindness, and kindness grew between my neighbor, just like that eight-foot fence that I'm going to put up, so I never have to see him again. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I do have forgiveness work I need to do with him. I don't. Okay, so now comes the analogy that makes zero sense to us. Just stay with me because it's going to be worth it. Are you ready? Here it is. Read this with me now. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. That makes perfect sense, right? We read this this week, and we're like, what in the world does this mean? Uh, And so I'm not going to make you guess. I'm just going to tell you what I've learned in commentators and other theologians. And Here it is, okay? I'm not saying I got this 100% right, but I think I'm pretty close. So here we go, okay? It means this. There are three things that absolutely prove that Jesus is who he says he is. There are three things that absolutely prove in your life that he's the overcomer, that you can find life in him. Number one, first is his baptism, that's the water. That's when God the Father literally opened up the heavens. There was 100,000 people there being baptized by John the Baptist. Every single one of them heard God the Father speak, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. They saw the Holy Spirit come in the form of a dove, land on Jesus, and Jesus was filled with the Spirit." So that's an, that is a historical event that happened, okay? That's number one. If you, that's not impressive to you, then how about his death-defeating work on the cross and his resurrection from it? And if that isn't enough evidence for you, then how about the fact that now the world and your very heart is filled with the Holy Spirit? Not only in you, but saving people who are on your no way list. You now are not who you once were. That is undeniable evidence that God is real. Because in the world, what's normal is people don't change. Does that make sense? John then goes on and says this. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Did you know that Napoleon was at the Battle of Waterloo? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. In the early 1800s, Napoleon won a decisive victory at Waterloo, which propelled him to become the emperor of France, and thus the Orche de Triomphe in Paris that leaves to the... Anyways, there's more archaeological evidence that Jesus was alive than Napoleon was ever at Waterloo. Do you understand that? So if we receive the testimony of men, this is history, but we don't believe what God says, that he is, what God has done and that, that he is born concerning the Son, that don't make no sense, right? Verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has, read this with me, has the testimony in himself or herself. This is what's key about this whole thing. Listen, grown adults don't get dunked in water for no reason, right? Unless of course you get baptized. My favorite... I asked permission to share the story, but my favorite story is when Barb Cotton, who who makes all the delicious food for you, her and her team make it for you, when she got baptized. Liam... uh, uh, There you are, Liam. Raise your hand, Liam. Liam got saved when he was 96. That was 15 years ago. Um, And uh, and it was, it, was a, it was an amazing moment. He, Liam asked Barb for a Christmas gift, which is, Barb, come to church with me for a month during Christmas. She said, okay, Barb's life was transformed in the middle of it all. And then there, Liam's getting baptized that summer, and he's getting baptized, and Barb's like, you know, if you want to get baptized, Barb? She's in her civvies. And he's like, no, I'm not going to get baptized. And so Liam's out there getting baptized and in the ocean at Avila Beach. And the tiniest of all waves comes up and hits Barbara's feet, and she literally falls on her butt in the water. And I, looked at, and I looked at her and I said, you sure you don't want to get baptized? And she goes, fine. And so fully clothed, Barb Cotton goes and gets baptized. And it was a beautiful moment. It was a spectacular moment, right? It was absolutely wonderful. Last summer, last summer. Right? We're baptizing 25 people. Carrie and Billy got baptized last summer. All these different people I know here got baptized last summer, right? And then at the very end, of the, uh, at, uh, random people from Bakersfield got baptized, you know? They're like, we just heard, you know, that you, were here. you want to get baptized? We baptize people I've never even met before in the ocean out of Grover Beach. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, Debbie and Denise, uh, so Zed's wife, Denise, and Zed's mom, Debbie, are there. Debbie's our minister of Razzle Dazzle, right? Uh, they're talking and they have this thing, which is just hilarious to me, that they will, they will get each other to do things um, just by daring each other. And Debbie goes, you've been baptized, Denise? And Denise goes, I think so. And Debbie's like, you haven't been baptized. And Denise is like, I'll do it right now if you do it. And Debbie's like, no, I'll do it if you do it. And Denise is like, no, I'm going to do it if you're going to do it. You're going to do it if I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden they got baptized fully clothed in the ocean. That don't happen, okay? Oh, but if that's not enough evidence for you, how about the moment that all of you had when you said, Jesus, forgive me for my sin, and you felt that weight and that burden lifted? That's a testimony that cannot be argued with. Does that make sense? There's an undeniable proof that God is who he is, that he brings life, that he overcomes the world, and that's when also the Holy Spirit came and fills your heart. You have evidence of the Holy Spirit here this morning, right now, and as we gain worship. That's the testimony. Jesus' testimony is our testimony. Does that make sense? So, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. So, if you don't want to believe what God says, that's fine, but you know, you're wrong. There it is. I just love it. You pray and your prayers are answered. You love well and it makes a difference. You're different, new, changing, for the better, unless you're my neighbor. Dang it, there it is again. But here's the thing about my neighbor. Here's the thing about my neighbor, and this is what I've been so thoroughly convinced, convicted of this week. I'm not better than my neighbor Ebenezer. Why? Well, because I've been fearful and greedy. I've been entitled I want reassurances reassurances that are absolutely ridiculous. I operate sometimes with absolutely zero faith. See for years my testimony or my story, the way that I was living my life was that Jesus was about this big, it was all on my shoulders and up to me, and that God the Holy Spirit only showed up when I was perfect. That's not convincing anybody or true. And then, here is what I learned and what my friends have done for me and what you've done for me. You've helped me to slow down and to make some choices in my life that have changed my heart forever. You've taught me how to pray these prayers. And they go like this, Jesus, well, you want to pray this with me? Jesus, you lead the way and I'll follow. Jesus, bear this with me. I can't do it alone. Jesus, give me wisdom right now. I can't figure this by myself. Look, your faith in God doesn't have to be a a, a, your prayer life with God can be as deep and wide as you want it to be, luxuriate in time with God, and it also can be as short and sweet as this. It's all faith. It's all just talking to Jesus, and these are the prayers that I'm learning how to pray right now. How about this one? Jesus, protect me in this conversation. I want to be kind and also speak the truth. I shot that one up when I was talking to Ebenezer, and it worked, right? How about this one? Jesus, I trust you to provide. I trust you with this need. Show me what you're up to, and no matter what, I will wait with hope and faith. In other words, choose to trust Jesus, Jesus rather than choosing anger or martyrdom or fear or whatever else you're tempted to feed like you used to do in the old days. The Holy Spirit literally created all life on this planet. I think the Holy Spirit can handle your issue. Right? But just like I said at the beginning, just because you sit in the sanctuary doesn't mean that you're trusting Jesus, no more than standing in the garage makes you a car. You get to choose to trust Jesus. It's not burdensome. It's awesome. And you already know that there is nothing in life that, is, that has come without risk. Nothing in life good, beautiful, majestic has come without you putting your chips out on the table. And Jesus is the surest of all bets, bets the best of all rides, and His promise of unfailing love will not fail you ever. And you can't lose unless you give up. Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son, read this with me. Whoever has the Son, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life." You want to be alive? So let your thinking and your believing and your walking around everyday life be directed by Jesus. Don't keep Jesus out of one area. You'll end up being the pastor who refuses to forgive his neighbor. And I forgive an Ebenezer. And I can do it again. Jesus, I forgive my neighbor Jim. (sighs) It's not a burden to do that. It's beautiful to do that. Why? Because life is like when your life is incongruent, when you're taking that moment to trust. Because you want your testimony to be something that people point to and say, I have no choice to believe that God exists because of your life. Your life only makes sense because you're trusting God. Pray like this. Pray like this, inviting God into every moment of your life. Do it for a week and your prayer life will be resurrected. Do this for a month and your purpose will be reclaimed and you'll be on the track that you want to be with with God. Do this for three months, and your work life will transform. Your home life will be completely changed for the better. Do this for six months, and every single one of your friendships will be different. Some you'll say goodbye to, and new ones will come that will be absolutely who you need to be with. Do this for a year, and your marriage will be completely transformed. Do this longer for the year, and your children and grandchildren will have a living example of what it looks like to trust Jesus, and you will have a generational impact before you. Do this for a decade, and you will see as you look back on your life that you have built a foundation of redemption and renewal and restoration, which is changing everybody around you. And not only does your life bear the weight of your family, it bears the weight of God's kingdom, and what he's doing is you become the engine of resurrection for everybody that you touch. Do you want to be alive? Let's pray. God, thank you for the moments when, when we want to be alive, but we don't know how to take that step, and you just knock us down and we fall on our butt in the water and get baptized anyways. God, thank you for the moments when we want to be alive and take that risk, but we just need a friend to dare us and to help us and to be by our side. God, thank you for the moments when we want to be alive and we know that that has to do, we have some forgiveness work to do, we have some kindness work to do, we have to be generous even though it costs us. And even though it might not work out the way that we want it to. Holy Spirit, come. Every breath that my friends take, fill them right now with your love, with your joy and your hope. And we're asking for our lives right now. We want to be alive, and we want our lives to be the foundation upon which so many people experience your love a testimony to your goodness and greatness so that our family and our friends might experience you, Jesus. So we trust you to do this, and we love you. And all God's people said, Amen. You guys, we have amazing food for you. Thank you for going, letting us go a little bit long today. Stand for the benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: And all God's people said,
1: have a great day, guys. Go in peace and grab some food.
0: Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.